listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Monday the 2nd of May. Later, a big week for global central banks, but first to the Australian property market where values nationally have risen 0.6% last month, but that is the slowest since October 2020, according to CoreLogic, and it comes ahead of impending interest rate rises. For the month, Sydney saw a fall in values of 0.2%, Hobart the worst down 0.3%, but our two biggest capital city markets at Sydney and Melbourne on a quarterly basis, so that's the three months to April, saw the first three-month fall since the extended lockdowns in 2020. So for more about the future of property prices amid rising interest rates, Laurie Lawira spoke earlier to Tim Lawless. He's the head of research at CoreLogic. Just first of all, how would you describe the housing market at the moment? Well, cooling is probably the best way to describe it. Uh, and also, also multi-speed. We are seeing Sydney and Melbourne now trending lower in values. Both of those cities are down in value over the past three months. Most of the other capital cities are losing steam, though. Uh, the one exception, though, seems to be Perth, or Perth and Darwin, where we're actually seeing some acceleration in the rate of growth which potentially lines up with uh, reopened state borders along with the strong economic conditions in those markets. So very, uh, very, very different conditions from region to region, but generally the market is clearly uh, continuing to lose some steam. What kinds of properties um, are you seeing weaknesses in and why? We are generally still seeing houses outperforming apartments. I'm not too sure how long this trend will last because we are seeing more and more demand gradually being deflected back into that medium to high density sector where housing prices are generally much more affordable. We're also seeing the regional market still generally quite insulated from a slowdown. Each of the broad rest of state regions around the country are still seeing housing values rising at more than 1% month on month. And in some cases, like in regional South Australia, just a little bit over 2% month on month growth. As we know, um, there's a lot of talk about tomorrow's rates. Um, as expected, it, uh, they could rise tomorrow. Um, what's this mean um, in terms of for prices for houses? Well, this is another downside risk, obviously. A uh, higher cost of debt, uh, logically, would feed through to less demand in the housing market. We expect that will, uh, will flow through as, as some potential borrowers run into some challenges uh, in their serviceability assessments but also for those people who are paying down their debt and aren't on a fixed rate mortgage, then clearly variable mortgage rates will be seeing some upwards pressure and we'll have to see households dedicating more of their incomes towards servicing their level of debt, which we know for households, particularly the housing component of debt, is at record highs and, uh, and moving higher. Well, I think we probably will see more steam coming out of the market. Sydney and Melbourne are already edging into the early parts of a downturn. That will probably gather some momentum. But stronger markets like, say, Brisbane, Adelaide, Perth, Canberra, markets where we're still seeing housing values rising at more than 1% month on month at the moment, probably will see some slowdown in the rate of growth as well. Whether or not we see these markets moving into a downturn, um, towards the end of this year is yet to be seen, but almost guaranteed as we move closer to the end of the year or coming into next year, most of the markets around the country will probably be either uh, uh, levelling out, if not moving into some level of a downturn. Obviously, we talk about people trying to get into the market, but there are obviously 
people who do appreciate that the prices are going up because their value of their home are also going up, those people who've paid it off. Um, how do you sort of balance that out for those people who, you know, would welcome what's happening with the price of houses at the moment? Well, I think they've had a pretty good run. I mean, if you look at a market like Sydney, which has just started to, to move into its downturn, through the pandemic cycle to date, we've already seen housing prices have risen by about $220,000. So I don't think anybody can be complaining that uh, housing prices are levelling out now, if not even starting to fall. Homeowners have had, have had a pretty good run. I think now is a time where we'll start to see buyers becoming a little bit more empowered and uh, we're starting to see vendors becoming much more competitive as overall stock levels start to rise. And lastly, um, what's your message for buyers and sellers at the moment? Well, for buyers, it probably does look like finally they're getting a little bit of leverage back at the negotiation table. There's more stock coming on the market, but of course that depends on where you are around the country. Um, so I think for buyers, uh, they, they probably do have some better buying conditions around the corner, but some buyers will probably be willing to wait to see how far housing prices come down to see if they can actually get into the marketplace on a slightly lower uh, um, pegging. But for, uh, but for homeowners or for vendors, they probably will need to become more realistic about their price expectations. They may find that uh, if they're going to auction, they won't be successful at auction and need to enter into a private treaty style of campaign. And they'll need to be realistic about their price expectations as well as we start to see uh, buyers being able to negotiate more and pick and choose and take their time. Certainly very different conditions than what we're seeing about a year ago where FOMO was, was reigning supreme and, uh, and buyers certainly didn't have much time at all to, del to uh, deliberate on their decisions, let alone negotiate. Tim Lawless there from CoreLogic speaking with Laurie Luira. Now to the Australian share market, which started the week on a negative note, the 200 down 1.2%, 7,347. That's despite a strong performance from the travel sector after Qantas said that it expects to return to profitability next financial year. For more on today's market moves, I spoke earlier with James Whelan from VFS Group. We've got a few things, a list as long as your arm uh, at the moment. European uh, stagflation potentially. You've got a Russia-Ukraine conflict. You've got GDP growth going backwards in the States in the face of a Federal Reserve that isn't really going to be looking at, at holding back. Locally, we've got uh, our own inflationary problems and an RBA looking to raise a property market that's going backwards as well. And China still in lockdown uh, and the concerns around that. Uh, I could go on, but that's about enough for today. <laughs> You mentioned the RBA meeting tomorrow. There's expectations that it will lift official interest rates for the first time in more than 11 years. Um, what are you expecting? What's the market expecting? The market is expecting that they will raise, and, and I do believe that it will be a 15 basis point rise. Most economists in the market do also agree with that. Should the RBA not raise rates tomorrow, they'll pretty much lose any and all credibility that they've got with the financial community in an afternoon on a Tuesday. So there's a lot riding on, on that at the moment. Current bond market expectations show about 18 basis points of rise. That's uh, that's sort of an average across different levels. But uh, yeah, it's going to be that. It's also going to be an all eyes on the commentary for what they're going to be doing for the rest of the year. About 2.5% factored in to uh, rate rises by the RBA for the rest of the year. That's a lot for the market to consume. And their commentary is going to be very, very closely watched just to see how much they're going to be backing that up. 
I guess when mum and dads look at their mortgage rates, so they're looking at the uh, Reserve Bank and what it's going to be doing, I guess financial markets maybe are more interested in the US, the US Federal Reserve meeting as well this this week. Um, there's all this potential talk about it front-loading rate rises. So in other words, um, lifting rates aggressively now when it peters out down the track, right? What do you think and what does it mean for investments? Uh, it, it, it means, it, okay, first off, let's break that up. First off, 50 basis points is already factored in by the Fed this week. We're going to know about 4.30 Sydney time uh, exactly what they're going to be talking about and what they're doing. All eyes are going to be on the commentary for what they're going to be talking about going forward after that. People are talking about potentially 75 points uh, being a thing that could potentially happen, but it's going to be 50 basis points and then 50 basis points and then 50 basis points all the way through. A Band-Aid solution, if they go really hard, really high, really fast, is probably going to be quite negative for the markets across the entire board. But the dips that will be bought will be as the rotation continues out of those heavily, heavily highly valued growth stocks that need low interest rates to continue to have their high lofty valuations. And the rotation will be going into those defensives, the consumer staples area that's there as well. The big question mark is going to be on exactly how much they're taking the uh, last week's GDP numbers into consideration, a decline of 1.1% in the face of a 1.4% expectation. That's a big switch. Uh, if they take that into consideration, then maybe there'll be actually an easing. We did see after those numbers dropped last week that the market rallied. So if the Fed says that they're going to be paying attention to numbers like that, potentially the market will rally. However, there is still the underlying factor that that is a slowing of growth. If the Fed is not, <laughs> stick with me, if the Fed is not going to ease up on their rate rising, on their hiking uh, considerations, and there is a slowing of growth, then you get stagflation. A stagflationary environment is not an investable environment across the board for investments. Only gold usually goes up. Real estate investment trusts usually go up. Commodities usually go up in the face of, a, of that sort of a, an environment. So this week is going to be a pretty hefty week for, uh, for, for watching what, uh, what central bank governors actually want to talk about. So given all of that, right, and you were talking about that rotation out of growth, how are you playing it at the moment? I am continuing to be as cautious as I possibly can, definitely not buying any of the uh, the, 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 the small tech stocks on the back foot. Some of the big tech stocks have reported and reported quite well. So big buyback money going into that big tech space. Looking at consumer staples, as I said, looking at uh, real estate investment trusts as well. Looking at gold, uh, gold is currently holding up a big portion of my portfolios at the moment. Really happy with the way that that's performing too. Happy to add to gold, happy to add to the REITs, happy to add to consumer staples, happy to add to defensives as well. This market is still very much in a cautious approach. 45% of stocks in the NASDAQ are now off more than 50%. 22% of the stocks are now off more than 75%. 5% of the stocks in the NASDAQ are now off more than 90%. Those are times that can only be compared to the tech wreck and the GFC. Both great buying opportunities, but the question is when? That's, uh, that's, uh, that's really the question that we're just sitting on right now. James Whelan there from VFS Group. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.